This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast this week. What are we going to be talking about, Kyle? So we're back in the book review this week, and we're going over the equipment financing which oh is boy. part four in oh Nelson's boy. book. Yeah, this is this is in depth and it's long. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah, and they can be confusing for people. They they confused me when I first read it. So definitely. Hopefully we can prevent that. Yeah. Our goal here is uh we're not gonna go through every illustration, guys, but we are gonna go through illustration one and illustration two. We're gonna explain um pretty much exactly what is going on in these things, and you can take it and run from there on the rest of them. Yep. Um but it's really just a lot of similar things happening in the next ones, so we don't want to bore you by just going over numbers in a podcast format while you're driving down the road. So let's first start this review off with just going over the couple pages before um, the illustrations with some of the conceptual talk that's in here. Yeah, Nelson has led us up to this point, okay? Remember, everything we were talking about was conceptual. We were talking about being honest with ourselves, um, not stealing from ourselves and everything in the beginning of this book. So Nelson's reiterating, you have to understand that before this happens. It's why we tell people you cannot skip to the illustrations in the books. That isn't what this is about. You need a solid, firm footing to stand on to understand what's going on here. Yeah, exactly. And, and not to, I don't mean that as to understand the whole life insurance. I mean to understand um, why becoming your own banker makes sense. Yeah, the process is much more important than the product. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so Nelson says, you may find it necessary to accumulate capital over a longer period of time than what he's depicting here. Now, um, additional capital is going to make the system more profitable. Why is that? One, the insurance company is growing your money for you, okay? Remember that. And two, the more money you have in the, in the bank, the more things that you have the ability to go and uh, finance, you have uh, more opportunities in front of you. The bank is in your private bank and the policy. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And now here's something that, that people will complain about and complain about and complain about in today's, um, in today's society. They want to buy term life insurance and get it as cheap as they possibly can. Okay. Yep. So anytime we think of paying more premium, you know, we're upset. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But in this case, this is completely different than your home insurance or your health insurance, car insurance or your auto insurance. Yeah. Those premiums go to the life insurance or excuse me, the insurance company, but you don't see them anymore. You, you don't have access to that money. Okay. If we pay more premiums into a life insurance policy, that's going to directly affect how much money that we have access to because you have access to the cash value of a life insurance policy. Yeah, how you fund permanent the poli- life insurance policy. Yes, permanent life insurance. How you fund the policy is more important than anything that the insurance company can do investment-wise. Absolutely. More important than any rider you put on the policy. Um, anything, your behavior, your willingness to pay premium, 
That's the number one thing that you can do to affect your policy. The number one thing you can do. Absolutely. Okay. And Nelson goes on to say even further. Now, there are no licenses required, no customers to seek out. This business is already there. All you have to do is tap into it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is start your own life insurance policy. This isn't like a, a seed business where you have to go out and find customers to sell seed to to profit from, okay? This, the system is there already. All you have to do is start and pay premium. Capitalize your system. And in a very simple way, that's all you have to do. Yeah. Everything else is going to take care of and itself. And that, that isn't free. You can't just tap into a system for free. And that's that's why we, at the beginning, we have to pay those insurance costs up front. Absolutely. The, it costs money to start any business that you get into. Yeah, but the difference of starting this business is you are guaranteed to get your money back at some point. And you have high liquidity immediately yeah, in the business. Exactly. I mean, you can lock your money away in your 401k and who cares what interest rate it's growing at. If you're 25, you aren't going to see that for what? Another 35 years. Yeah, 35 years. Yeah. So it comes down to accessibility. This system is is highly accessible and guaranteed. Yep. Okay. So anything you want to add before we jump into illustration one, Kyle? Nelson goes in here to say that it's important that you must understand as a policyholder that you outrank all possible borrowers to the access of that capital the life insurance has. And why does it matter um, that we understand that? Because that gives us complete control. That's where we get the complete control from is because we are number one in line to access to that. Yes. And we don't, we should also make it clear that you don't have to borrow from these policies to make this work. Um, That is, people will go to this section and think, my goodness, like borrowing from these policies really makes them start to perform really good. Okay. We're going to explain that here. But that is not what's making this happen. There's just more premium going into these policies. Um, The insurance company is putting that money to work. And if you want to borrow it, you have the right to borrow it. Yeah. And another thing that he goes into here is talks about how most business owners and people just, they build equity in the wrong places. They build equity in their, like, let's, for example, the equipment that they're buying. They're dumping all of their cash into this equipment instead of building it in a banking um, policy first. Right. And your accountant will say, look at all the equity you're building in that, you know, look at all the, the tax write-offs and everything we're getting, right? Yeah. But we're, we're focusing on the wrong thing in this instance. We're focusing on the equipment instead of our own banking business. And that equipment is also going to depreciate. Right. Now, we're not saying that the equipment isn't important because you need it to make your living, but just realize that there's more going on than what you see sometimes. Um, and Nelson, this is one of my favorite quotes um, from this book. Everyone should be in two businesses, the one in which you make your living and the other should be the banking business that finances whatever you do for, the, for a living. Of the two businesses, banking is the most important. Okay, why is that? Because banking is always going to happen no matter what. Yes. No matter what, banking is always going to happen. And if you're looking at a policy, like one of the last things you should think about is, well, how long do I have to pay into this? Well, how long do you need access to money? Like Nelson says in here, he said businesses come and go, but banking is eternal. Absolutely. 
anytime you have cash flow, um, and I mean, not talking about just minuscule amounts, but anytime you just have some extra cash flow, money sitting somewhere, you're going to accumulate it somewhere, right, Kyle? Yep. Okay. This, if you're creating your own banking system, you want to accumulate it here instead of the local bank in town or something. Instead of something, that's like if you own a grocery store shop and it's someone else's grocery store. Exactly. It's almost like stealing from yourself. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Um, Anything else? Are you ready to start covering this? Um, I think, yeah, we can, we can jump in. Okay. So illustration one, um, Nelson shows us paying $40,000 in over four years. And if you go to the very top of page 54, he has it broken down to showing the, the premium and where it's allocated. Okay. The, it says $14,999 and 99 cents. That's the base premium of this policy. And then it says paid up additions rider $25,000. So he has two pieces to this policy. Kyle and I, and I have mentioned that you can also have term insurance with policies. Nelson hasn't done this in these. Yep. Okay. So those two combined equal to $40,000 of premium. And if you go down into the chart now, you can see that after four years, no more premium is paid. You can see that in the net annual outlay column. It's column three from the left. Now, what is happening? How is this policy funding itself? Okay. What happened was he did a premium offset. And if you go over to the death benefit column and look at, uh, he has it highlighted in black at line four, there's $1.684787 million of death benefit. The next line, line five, there's $1.651077 of death benefit. Okay, you're wondering, why has the death benefit gone down now? What Nelson has done is he has quit paying the $25,000 paid-up addition rider, and he's only paying the base premium now. So what's happening is there's a dividend of $6,339 being paid in the fifth year. Mm -hmm. That isn't enough to cover the uh, $15,000 base premium yet. So Nelson sacrificed paid-up additional life insurance that the paid-up additions rider created to cover the uh, remaining, uh, let's see, that's probably about 8700 or so dollars to cover the $15,000 premium. Yep. Now, you'll see that the death benefit continues to drop until... Year 17. Year 17. That's where the dividends are big enough to pay the full base premium. There. Yes. And he no longer has to sacrifice paid up additional life insurance to pay uh, for the base premium because the dividend is big enough to cover that. Yeah. And this is not how we would typically structure a policy, but he did this for learning purposes. Absolutely. These things can be run a million different ways. They can be designed a million different ways. This is just meant to be an example of how you can do this. I also think that Nelson probably, I never heard this from him, but I suspect that he wanted to show that you don't have to physically pay for whole life insurance for your whole life. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that's demonstrating a short payment schedule just to show like this isn't what everybody thinks it is. Whole life insurance. I have to pay for pay premium my whole life. Yeah. And we should also probably note that 
the first five illustration examples in here, these are based off the 2000 dividend scales. So they're more in a much higher interest rate environment than we are now. So these numbers are not comparable. Yeah, they're not, they're not current, but we're still able to achieve the same thing in the same manner. Right. We can still do the same funding options. We can still do um, the same type of, of banking or financing like what Nelson describes in this. The, the dividend rates have just come down. Interest rates have come down. Yeah, and like, like we said earlier, that how you fund it is much more important than the dividend rate that you receive. Interest rates are going to be up. They're going to be down. You and I can't control them. Nope. The life insurance companies can't control them. All we can control is our actions. Our our job is to, with this policy, is to pay the premium on it. Right, Kyle? Yep. We can control that. And that is the most important thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. If you want similar results to this, as Nelson says later in the book in the addendum, just capitalize the system for another year. Yeah. Okay? You, you it, it takes more in a lower interest rate environment to do that, but you can still use the policy for all the banking qualities. Absolutely. Okay. So um, that's an explanation of why death benefits going down, how he's paying the premium. Um, and then you can see that uh, Nelson is showing an income being drawn at age 66 of $92,000. And what he's doing is uh, he's just withdrawing money here. He is not doing this with withdrawals and loans. This is just withdrawing money. So this becomes taxable at the point that he withdraws more than he's paid into the policy. Which is 160000 Yes. So in year two, he already uh, has taxable income from this policy. Yep. Okay. Um, but you can see, even doing that, he had uh, $2.406 million dollars in death benefit when he started taking income from this policy, he ends up with 2.407 million when uh, Nelson kills him at age 85, it looks like. Yeah, so, I mean, that's and that's withdrawing a lot of income there. A lot of income, yes. Okay, anything else we should need, we need to cover on this illustration, Kyle? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Let's move on to illustration two. This is where... People get confused. They're like, holy cow, there's magic in, in policy loans. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the case, and we're going to explain why that is isn't. Yep. Okay. So Nelson talks about um, a, a logging business, and so he's starting to finance a truck with this policy. Um, Nelson goes on to say that $0.27 cents out of every dollar paid when he was using an outside finance company, not using his own bank, that was interest. Okay. So when Nelson went into these um, illustrations, he was accounting for uh, paying extra interest to the policy. That extra interest is premium payments. Now, how Nelson did this was he took this policy, he, de- he designed it the same as the first one that we just went over. But in year five, he shows a loan being taken of mm-hmm. uh, $52,600. But he writes 34600 there. That's because he didn't want to add more columns to this. He just took the 18000 payment out that he was already going to make and simplified it. Yep. Okay. 
How did he come up with the $18,000? Because the outside finance company was, uh, I believe it was $1,502 per month that he had to pay them. Mm -hmm. So $1,500 times 12 is $18,000. Yep. That's where the 18,000 number comes from, okay? Now, to explain exactly how this is working, uh, Nelson is taking a loan for that truck from the life insurance policy. What he's doing is that $18,000 is being used to pay down the principal of that loan. The life insurance policy itself is paying for the interest on that loan. Mm -hmm. The money that is paid in over the principal goes toward premium payments to the policy. Yes. Now, how you can see that that's what's going on, if you go over to the cumulative net outlay column, you can see at the end of year four, there's $160,000 cumulative net outlay. If you go to uh, line eight, you can see that there's $179,400 cumulative net outlay. That's a difference of $19,400. If you go back to page 52, Nelson tells us that $19,496 on every truck was an interest. Okay? So he just went with a round number, went down to Mm -hmm. $19,400 for simplicity. Okay? That's exactly what he's doing. Now, that that's extra premium, extra interest. But that really is just premium payments that's going into the life insurance policy. Yeah, so people get hung up on this. So how this policy is set up, it's not a max-funded policy. So we're not up to the MEC limit here. So that's how he's able to add in extra interest. People, they we set up policies and stuff, and they look at, well, you know, where can I put my extra interest in? Well, if we've set up a max-funded policy, there is no room for extra interest. And that's an instance where Kyle and I will say, if you want to pay extra interest, you know, uh, use like a savings account or some type of account at a bank, a traditional bank, not the bank that you've created, and start accumulating money there. Once you have enough money accumulated, then we can start... Uh, another policy. Yeah. The other option is you can build in extra room to your first policy if that's how you want to be an honest banker. Yep. That is totally a personal decision. Absolutely. Totally a personal decision. Um, okay. To get back to illustration number two, um, if you, I want you guys to go back to illustration one in the book. You can see that the cumulative... Uh, Net outlay for that policy was $160,000 because he paid the $40,000 in for four years and he didn't add a dime after that. Now, if you go to illustration two, go down to line six, or excuse me, uh, age 65, you can see the cumulative net outlay is Mm $315,200. That's a lot more than $160,000, isn't it, Kyle? Yep. That is why... There is more cash value in this policy. That is why he can take more income out of this policy. That is why the death benefit is bigger. All of these things are because he paid more premium into the policy. So him being an honest banker and paying in this extra premium, 
led him to be able to take out more money in passive income phase. He's able to take out $100,000 at year 66, and then from year 67 to 84, $125,000 a year. Right. He was, his being honest was the direct, um, what caused the direct result of this. His willingness to pay premium, his willingness to be an honest banker with himself. Yeah. Okay. That's illustration two. You guys can apply these same things to the other illustrations in here and see exactly what Nelson is doing. That's exactly what is going on in these illustrations. I think Kyle and I should go on because everybody's thinking, you know, we're in this low interest rate environment. I can get uh, access to money between three, four, five, six percent from outside sources. How does it make sense to be an honest banker, you know, with this? Mm-hmm. Because in Nelson's illustrations, the interest rate with the life insurance company was 8%. The outside interest rate from the truck finance company was about 16.4%. Okay. Easy to draw the lines there, right? Yep. How do we do it now? How do we do it now? Yeah. This still makes sense because it is becoming your own banker. So when you become your own banker, you are in control of your capital. So you can decide, well, I want to borrow from my personal banking system, or I want to borrow from a third-party lender. It's, it's up to you. Or maybe I want to use my cash values as collateral at a credit union and maybe get even a lower interest rate than I can at anywhere else. And then what should you do to be honest with yourself? Okay, say you get a lower rate at an outside banking system. Say you get a 3% loan and say your policy was going to charge you 5%. Pay that extra 2% back to your system. Yeah. Because if you used your system, you would have had to pay it anyways. Be honest with yourself. Exactly. So, and that's that's kind of where we get back to value, valuing your capital the same as you would anybody else's. Absolutely. And not stealing. Yeah. So if you use a bank, let's say Wells Fargo, like they do not care about you. They just, I mean, they just want, you know, your interest. They just want to make money off you. You know, that's how it is. Your own money. I mean, that that's, you care about yourself more than anybody. So you should care about your money, yeah, your system more than anybody else. If you're going to pay Wells Fargo back at, um, we'll just say 3% or 5%, whatever it is, if you're willing to pay them money to use, to use, excuse me, pay them interest to use their money, you should be willing to pay yourself at least that much interest back to your own system. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue against that once you see it in that light. I mean, uh, this, this comes back to the whole opportunity cost thing where people, uh, they want to pay cash for things, Yep. but they just, if you're willing to do that with somebody else, pay them interest to use their capital, you have to be willing to do that with your own system. You don't realize or think about a lot of times that you're losing that, that opportunity to earn interest, but it's there. Yeah. You just don't feel it. You don't see it. You, you don't feel it and you don't see it because you're used to the, you know, the typical savings account, which is 0.01% interest, which is nothing, but th- there's other ways. So. And you've never been taught to think this way. Yep. You've never been taught to value your capital. You know, um, it's crazy talk. Yeah. Yeah. Cash is, is always, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of here? Kyle? Well, uh, I guess I was thinking like a lot of people, like they don't value their cash very much, you know, like 
it's about assets and things like that. Mm-hmm. But really, like cash is important. Cash is king. I mean, you can't do things without it, but people don't think this way. Yeah. So and I mean having a having a cash flow, having cash flow and a cash flow strategy, I think is way more important than paying cash and investing. Absolutely. There like this is foundational to everything else that you're going to do in your finances. Investing should come after this. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely use this policy policy to invest, but I mean, this is foundational. Um, like these are things that you need to, uh, I mean, if you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, these are things that you can be doing now learning about this and then implementing these. But these are things like you should be teaching this to your kids and, and instilling this type of mindset in them as well, because this is so important and will get them so much further than any type of investing is going to do in their lives. And the whole life insurance just happens to be one of the best tools for building generational wealth. It's unbelievably simple um, how easy this is to do. I mean... See, we're not just accomplishing becoming your own banker. We're accomplishing so many other things. Legacy planning. um, It's unreal. I mean, it's hard to even list out everything because the more you think about it, there's more things that you're doing with this system. Exactly. So... Um, I hope that helps you guys through the illustrations. Um, I know we didn't cover them all, but Kyle and I just felt that that would be really redundant. We'd be talking about a lot of numbers. Um, so reach out to us, though, if you have questions about the other illustrations. Yeah, we'll be glad exactly. to help you through it. Exactly. Um, but we did explain exactly what's going on in those two uh, illustrations. So hopefully that gives you everything you need to get through the rest of them. Yes. So, Okay. I have said everything I want to say, Kyle. Yep, I think we got this one covered. Okay, see you guys next week. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.